Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Thank you to our worship team. Thank you for being here today. Matthew chapter 19, if you have your Bibles, and if you don't, it'll be on the screen in just a moment. For those of you joining us from Rossville campus, welcome. Man, we're excited about what's going on at Rossville. Many people saved this week at a Rossville campus. Great numbers on Easter. Man, we're excited about the job Corbin and the team are doing there. If you're joining us online, welcome online. We're thrilled to have you there as well. Matthew chapter 19. So I'm starting a new sermon series today called Be Harmony. How do we get in harmony as a family? Here's stop the fight before it starts. We know what causes fighting, disharmony, unhappiness in our families. Like the research tells us, and I'm going to deal with that over the next few weeks. And honestly, common sense tells us, you know what most of the fighting is in your family, the disharmony is in your family. So we're going to deal with those issues over the next few weeks and look at uh, how you can bring more harmony and your family can be in harmony um, uh, together. So today I want to preach on this subject. I'm simply going to call it Mad Money, Matthew chapter 19. Hold your place and we'll look there in just a moment. One of the leading causes of family chaos and disharmony is fighting about money and money issues in general in the family. So Knowing that's the case, knowing research tells us that, would you allow me just a moment to paint a picture of the money situation in the average American family? And then I want to tell you what God would say about that. Let, give me just a moment. Humor me just for a minute. Look right this way. Let me, let, me, let me describe to you the money situation in America and paint a picture really of your home today to some degree, our homes today to some degree. Here's what we know. That money arguments are the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. That money arguments in the household, in your marriage, are the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. And I'm not sure money doesn't lead to the infidelity, so it may be the number one indicator. Another thing we know is that high levels of debt and poor communication lead to stress and anxiety when it comes to finances. So, we, we, we have a lot of debt as our family. We don't talk about it, and I'll talk about the debt here in just a moment. And it causes stress and anxiety in our homes. Nearly, nearly half of couples with 50000 or more in debt say money is their top reason for arguing. So you have more than $50,000 in debt. Number one reason for arguing is going to be money. But get this, nearly two-thirds of marriages start off in debt. That is your... You're, you're Gen Z, a millennial, getting married, and over 60% start off in debt, which means we, we inherently come to the table with stress and anxiety and disharmony in our marriage. Let me keep going. 54% of couples in marriages for five or fewer years, that means their marriage did not last five years, took credit to cover some expenses in their wedding with 73% of them regretting the decision. So follow me. Marriages that did not make it five years, five short years, 73% of them, or 54% of them, 
had to get a loan to pay for the wedding, yet 73% of them regretted doing it. That's good, good word for you to hear when you're, one of yours is getting married. One-third of people who argue with their spouse about money admit to hiding purchases because they know their partner won't approve. If you're calling the UPS guy and say, hey, I need you here between two and three, but not after three. Right? If there's stuff in your trunk, you got buried under the tire, this is you. Third of people who argue with their spouse about money are hiding, hiding. 94% of the couples in great marriages discuss their financial goals compared to 45% and just finer problematic marriages. So we're not talking about money, so it's causing issues. 44% of married adults between 18 and 54 years old cited money, money, as the number one stressor compared to 23% of older adults who are 55 years and above. Well, what's happening? Well, when you hit this age, it's probably your peak earning years. And if you've been married for a long time, by the time you get to here, hopefully you've settled some of these arguments. The trouble is people aren't making it to here, right? 2017 Ramsey Solution Study revealed that 47% of the survey population linked their relationship stress and anxiety to consumer debt or credit card type debt. A survey on love and money conducted by TD Banks in 2019 revealed that 43% of married Americans have undisclosed credit cards accounts. So again, if you have to run to check the mailbox before your spouse can get to it, if you're coming home from lunch and hoping the mailman's already been there so you can grab the credit, then, or if you have a P.O. box they don't know about, hey, there's some issues going on. Get this, the possibility of divorce increased by 45% among couples who think their partner spends money irresponsibly. Arguing over finances weekly increases the possibility of divorce by 30% more than those who rarely argue over finances. 54% of consumers in the U.S. are living paycheck to paycheck with 21% of the population struggling to pay their bills. And finally, last one, I'm just painting a picture. Research shows that among consumers who earn more than $100,000 a year, 23% who live paycheck to paycheck and are struggling to pay their bills say they would not be able to pay $400 in an emergency expense. By the way, that's an annual survey they do in America. That 23% of those who make $100,000 or more could not come up with uh, $400 for an emergency expense. So why show you all that? Why, why even put all that on screen? Here's why. Because all of that together paints a bad picture for our family. That debt, anxiety, stress, arguing about money doesn't bring harmoniness, har- harmony and happiness to your home. So the picture is this. The average American home is struggling with their finances. And that struggle then leads to family anxiety. That struggle leads to marital stress and unhappiness. That struggle leads to separation and divorce. That struggle with money leads to continual fighting and continual arguing about money. Money causes major conflict in our homes, and it's the leading cause of family disharmony in our home. All that stuff I just said, out-of-control debt, out-of-control spending, not talking about money, all of those things lead to family disharmony and unhappiness in our home. But get this, it's not money by itself that's the problem. Hear me, money is neutral. 
Money's not the problem. The dollar is not the problem. It's because we don't handle money according to God's plan and purpose. So let me give you a statement here that's really the foundation of the whole sermon. When we ignore God in our finances, struggle will spill over into our homes, our marriages, and our family. When we ignore God in our finances, those struggles will spill over into our homes and our marriages and our finances. You can't ignore God when it comes to money. So I want to show you today. I'm going to show you in Matthew chapter 19, a man who did money all wrong. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? Matthew chapter 19, look beginning, if you will, in verse 16. Matthew 19, verse 16. Just then, someone came up and asked Jesus, Teacher, what, what good must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, There's only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he asked him. Jesus said, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, I've kept all these, the young man told him. What do I still lack? Jesus said, verse 21, if you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, go sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly astonished and asked him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter responded to him, see, we've left everything and followed you, so what will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, and every one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Thank you. you may be seated. So here's the, man, here's the story of a man who got money all wrong. So let me do what I do. Let me walk you through these verses, tell you some interesting things we learn from this story, and let me make uh, multiple observations about it. Number one, we learn this in verses 16 through 20, that the opening verses, a man comes up to Jesus and asks him about eternal life, right? He came to him, teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life. Now, literally, that's the question of all time, right? That's the question of all questions. The question of all of life, life's most important question. And by the way, life's only question is that, what must I do in order to be saved? Where will I spend eternity? Hear me this morning, no matter what you think you are, what you think you've done, who you think you are, listen to me, the most important question you have in life is where will you spend eternity? There's only two places to go. There's heaven and there's hell. And I told you last week, good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. And so this man's confused about it because he said, what good must I do to inherit eternal life? And hear me this morning, if you've not settled your eternity, today is the day for you to settle your eternity. So Jesus answers the question by setting him up for the gospel. Jesus said, you know what to do, keep the commandments. Because remember, Jesus is playing off his question, what good must I 
do. So Jesus plays off his question. And Jesus said, well, you know what good you must do? Keep the commandments. And Jesus gave him the easy commandments. So here's what Jesus told him. You know what to do? Don't murder. Don't, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Honor your parents, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, love your neighbor as yourself is not one of the Ten Commandments, but it's the spirit of Commandments 5 through 10. So Jesus kind of summarized the commandments. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. It dealt with your relationship with others. So what good must I do to be saved, have eternal life, go to heaven? Jesus said, well, if you want to know about doing good, then just keep the commandments. Keep all the commandments. Jesus gave him the first, you know, four or five commandments, and then he summed up the last five or six, and he said, just love your neighbor as yourself. And then this young man brazenly declared, brazenly, I've kept all these things. What do I like still? Now, there's a little bit of um, ego in that answer, right? Brazenly declared, hey, I've done all that. And so Jesus flips him over to verse 21. Well, Jesus said, well, then if you want to be perfect, by the way, which you're claiming to be perfect, go sell your belongings, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Jesus said, all right, you want to be perfect? Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, lay up your treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Now, why would Jesus tell him to do that? You need to hear the answer to this question. Would giving away money save you? Can I thank you? Didn't expect an answer, but I appreciate the answer. Right? Well, putting money in the offering plate saving you. Well, paying the preacher save you. No, but you should try. But anyway. Not hurt anything, but I'm just saying, uh, no, no, that saves you. So why would Jesus say, give it all away and you'll be saved? Listen, listen. Now listen, Jesus is not, hear me, this is so good. Jesus is not making declarations. Jesus is having a gospel conversation. Jesus is letting him arrive to his own conclusion about eternity. So why would Jesus say, give away everything you have to the poor and then come follow me and you'll lay up treasures in heaven and we'll all be good? Because do you know what the 10th commandment was? Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or donkeys, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The 10th commandment is a greed commandment. The 10th commandment is a money commandment. And Jesus was pointing out and that the young man was not perfect even though he thought he was. Can I give you a hint? When you think you're all that, read the Bible. It'll set you straight. Jesus wasn't telling him that giving away money would make him permanent, perfect. Get this so good. Jesus to say God is smart is kind of an unnecessary statement, but it's so brilliant. Jesus was challenging his view of his own goodness and perfection. It wasn't the money that would save him. Jesus said, if you go back to verse 16, the question was, what good can I do? And here's what Jesus was telling him. The only good you can do is perfection. Perfection alone will save you. Nothing short of perfection will save you. And so the young man declared, Jesus, guess what? You just happened to meet a perfect guy. And Jesus said, okay. Well, then sell everything you have. That shattered his view of, perfect, of his own perfection. 
Because if he wasn't perfect, because this is, this is the very law he's breaking, if he wasn't perfect, then this young man was going to need help to get eternal life. He was going to need Jesus. The money answered by Jesus wasn't telling the young man that giving money would get you heaven. It was shattering the young man's idea that he deserved to go to heaven. Because then we see into the man's heart and we see a bad attitude towards money. And here's where I want to talk to us for a moment. Because the same attitude that gets our families out of, out of harmony. He, he goes into verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. He immediately went away from Jesus when he heard that. He knew he was violating the 10th commandment. Money meant more to him than anything. Can I, can I tell you an important word here? The word grieving. I want you to hang on to what I'm about to say because I'm going to use it again and shortly. The Greek word for grieving there is the word lipe in the Greek. And here's the interesting thing. The antonym of the word is the, in the word of the Greek is hedone, which is hedonism, which is the pursuit of pleasure. So lipe would be used uh, as grieving, sorrowful, unhappy. Hedonism was used as happiness and pleasure. And so lipe in the Greek could mean Physical unhappiness, emotional unhappiness, spiritual unhappiness. In other words, get this, the money that was supposed to bring him happiness was now causing him great anxiety and pain. The Bible says this rich man went away unhappy. Don't miss the phrasing, the rich man went away unhappy. In verses 23 and 24, we have that famous statement where Jesus says, money does pull a person away from heaven. Wealth does pull people away from heaven. You don't have to have wealth for this to be true in your life. You just have to be pursuing wealth for this to be true in your life. Jesus made that famous statement. We all know that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Now, there has been speculation over the years. What did he mean by eye of the needle? There was, a, there was a gate in Jerusalem that was called the eye, but that is not what Jesus is talking about. It literally means a large camel, go to the zoo, a large camel through the eye of a sewing needle. The word in the Greek means a sewing needle. And so Jesus is using the phrase, it'd be easier for a giant camel to go through the eye of a sewing needle than it is for a rich person to go to heaven. Now, now it's the disciples' turn. Now, now the, the disciples' turn. Now, now the disciples, they just been sitting by listening, very confused. And the disciples said, well, <laughs> wait a minute. Then who can be saved? Now get this. This just wasn't the wealth statement they were worried about because none of them were wealthy. This was the perfection statement they were worried about as much as anything. In their minds, all was lost. They had not seen the cross yet. And Jesus makes the great statement, with everything with God is possible. And Peter, I love Peter. Peter, Peter does this. Peter, you know, he says, we've left everything and followed you. Here's, here's what Peter did. You'd have to be in this situation. Peter said, uh, question, I just want to be clear on what we're talking about, Jesus. Those of us who've left everything and followed you, how are we going to fare? 
And Jesus said, you'll be on the thrones. Those particular 12 will be on the thrones judging Israel. And then he, he closes with us. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus is now telling a saved person, whatever you give up for the gospel's sake in life will be rewarded a hundred times or more in the next life. Hear me, hear me. Jesus continually told us while he was here on earth, don't lay up treasures here, lay up treasures there. A lot of people in the front of the line in heaven are going to surprise you. And a lot of people in the back of the line in heaven are going to surprise you. So what can we learn about mad money? What can we learn about money in that story to help our families overcome this anxiety and stress with money? Can I, can I give you four things today? Write them down. Number one, and I'll give them to you quickly. Number one is this, money doesn't buy happiness. You say, preacher, I've heard that all my life then why are you still trying to buy happiness? Here's a young man who had everything money could buy with money left over, yet he wasn't happy. His soul was still longing for something else beside the money he had. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, remember he's saying it, the Bible says he went away lape, grieving, sorrowful, unhappy in his heart. This young man who had everything life had to offer came up to Jesus and said to Jesus, my soul is not satisfied, though I have everything a man could want. Jesus, my soul is not satisfied. His soul was still longing for something else, though the Bible describes him as a wealthy man. And he came to Jesus trying to satisfy a longing deep down in his soul, and wealth wasn't helping that longing. And he went away, the Bible says, from Jesus with the opposite of joy. The opposite of joy. He went away sorrowful and grieving. Listen, his bank account had not been affected whatsoever by the conversation with Jesus. He walked away from Jesus with an account full of money, but yet he was still very sorrowful and learned the lesson that this young man had to learn that day. Money will not bring happiness to your home. Hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you to not work hard. I'm not telling you to not try to get promoted. I'm not telling you not to start a business. I'm not telling you to earn as much as you can. I'm not even telling you wealth and money are bad. I'm not telling you any of those things. I'm telling you that if you think there is inherent joy that comes from your wealth or your money, you are wrong. That there's no joy that comes out of money. Often what causes disharmony in your family is the pursuit of wealth and the hopes it'll bring happiness. As a matter of fact, Learn this mathematical formula. Stuff and, and money does not equal happiness. Stuff plus money does not equal. You say, preacher, what do you mean by stuff? I mean the stuff that money buys does not equal happiness. Rich Young, you ruler figured it out. We've got to figure it out in our homes that too many times in our families, we think that if we can buy enough stuff, 
then our families will have happiness. Never, never, never is that true. It never has been true. It never will be true. You can't buy your teenagers enough to make them happy. You can't buy your spouse enough to make them happy. Whatever you spend today trying to buy happiness will just be money spent and gone tomorrow. Stuff has never brought a family harmony. Stuff has never bought a family happiness. Listen, look at this. There are, there are 300,000 items in the average American home. Individual items, 300,000 items. British researchers found that the average 10-year-old owns 238 toys. If he has a grandparent, I promise you that number's higher. But look, he plays with 12 of them. Plays with 12 of them. The average American woman owns 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. In 1930, that number was nine, nine. Women, I'm not picking on you, just that y'all the ones they do the research on. Look at this. Women will spend more than eight years of their lives shopping. Come on, men. Can you say amen right there? Can you muster an amen? You've been there. You've been there. You've been there. Men, men in general, men aren't shoppers. We're buyers. We go in and slay the item we want and carry it out over our chest like we just hunted a wild animal. <laughs> Women go to look at the flowers. Like we're there to, you know, kill the look, look at this. The U.S. has upward of 50,000 storage facilities, more than five times the number of Starbucks. Currently, there is 7.3 square feet of self-storage space for every man, woman, and child in the nation. I love this. Thus, it's physically possible that every American could stand all at the same time under the canopy of a storage, self-storage roofing. There's enough self-storage space because our stuff, we got 300,000 items in our home, but we got, we got so much stuff, our homes won't hold it, and now we have to rent things to hold the rest of our stuff. We have an enormous amount of stuff, and hear me, we aren't happy. CNN read an article this February, this February, CNN read an article that said this. Here was the headline, American happiness hits record lows. This February, this article, American happiness hits record lows. So here we are with the money we need, all the stuff we need. They had all the data to back up our unhappiness and Americans are unhappy happy, and we keep buying more stuff. Hear me, don't fall into that trap with your family. The enemy will have you chasing it all of your life. And by the way, you'll never buy the thing that's going to make you happy. Never. You'll never buy the thing that's going to make you happy. I mean, how many of you are here this morning, you're watching me on camera, and you thought if I could just buy this one more thing, I'd be happy. If I could just make one more dollar, I'd be happy. If I could just take one more trip, then my family would be happy. Hear me, if you're looking for happiness and harmony in your family, you will not find it in money or the stuff money can buy. Hear me, there's nothing wrong with money unless you're looking for it to be the savior of your family. I read this verse once a month in Proverbs, and I always chuckle when I read it. The writer of Proverbs said this, keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Neither poverty nor wealth. Why? Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much 
and deny you saying, who is the Lord? You've seen that, right? You've seen people who didn't have a dollar to their name and they never miss a church service. They get a better job or start a business, they get money and now the FBI can't find them. Right? Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing in still profaning the name of my God. Money doesn't buy happiness. There are a lot of things in your family that will make you more happy, but hear me, if you're pursuing money, it will not make you happy. What else do we learn from this man? Number one, money doesn't buy happiness. Number two, we learn this. When it comes to money, put God's kingdom first. Jesus told this rich man to be more concerned with this. Man, he says it all throughout the Bible. Jesus trying to drop a hint to me, and he's trying to drop a hint to you. Be more concerned about treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. Be more concerned about treasures in heaven than treasure on earth. In other words, I love this, play the long game with your finances. When it comes to your money, think heaven, not earth. When it comes to your finances, think heaven, not earth. When it comes to how you spend, think heaven, not earth. One reason families are miserable with their money is that they can only think about this life and can't get the next life on their minds at all. How do, how do I make money not provide all the anxiety and stress it causes our home? Here it is. Put God's kingdom first in your finances. Put God's kingdom first in your finances. Quit trying to get all you can down here and realize that you need to put something on a heavenly layaway plan. Put God first in your finances and then prioritize the rest of your life. Life, Hear me. Tithing and giving doesn't make you right with God, but it is an indicator of your relationship with God. You put God's kingdom first and you put investments in heaven and you'll be glad you did. Think then, not now. Think heaven, not earth. Think invest, not spend, and you'll transform the anxiety in your home. If you'll just think later on down the line and play the heavenly long game with your finances. You won't know this guy, I can't even pronounce his name, May 2010, Laszlo Haniet. I can't even say it, H-A-N-Y-E-C-Z, just let me call him Laszlo for a minute. He did something amazing in May 2010. He became the first person to buy something using cryptocurrency. He paid $10,000 in Bitcoin for two pop 10,000 not $10,000, see. He paid 10,000 Bitcoin for two Papa John pizzas. 10,000 Bitcoin for two Papa John pizzas. In May 2010, that was worth about $41. As of Tuesday, when I looked it up, that was worth $476 million. It has been as high as $4 billion. I went back and I... I read some interviews with Laszlo because he's kind of been famous. And he, he was like, 
I just never thought about investing it. I never thought about holding on to it. I never thought about setting it aside. Listen, that's the problem with most of our churches. We're spending $41 here when it could be billions in heavenly currency. If we just put God first in our finances, put God's kingdom first. What do you mean by that preacher? I mean, you need to tithe and you need to give to the church. And by the way, the Bible says this, honor God with the first fruits of your income. That means we give back to the Lord first. Remember, it all belongs to him. 100% of it belongs to God. Not 10%, 100% of it belongs to God. And we recognize God's ownership. And we recognize our stewardship when we give back 10% and more to God. Can I just be honest with you? We had to tell our kids all the time when we were growing up, we can't afford that. We told them that all the time. We didn't have the money for that. We can't buy that. That's too expensive. We don't have the money. You know, we never told our kids that we can't afford to tithe. We never sacrificed our tithe and our giving to the church and our offerings to buy stuff in this life. Why? We were going to put God's kingdom first in our finances. One reason we have trouble in our finances and don't have harmony in our marriages and our family is that because we're not putting God's kingdom first, get this, God is fighting against your finances. You say, what? God, look at me. God's fighting against your finances. If, you don't, if you're a Christian, if you're saved going to heaven when you die, God expects you to recognize his ownership and your stewardship of everything, and that's what a tithe does. And if you aren't tithing and giving to the Lord, get this, God fights your finances. In Malachi chapter 3 in the Old Testament, God came down and told them, listen, you have not been tithing. You know what God said to them? You have not been tithing, so you know what I've been doing? God said, I have been putting a devourer in your midst. God said, I have been eating up your stuff. Waiting for you to look to me and say, God, you know what? Here's the principle. 90% will go farther for you once you honor God than 100% will go for you. Because God will absolutely put a devourer in your finances to remind you he owns it all. Put God's kingdom first. God is not letting you live in harmony because we're not honoring him in our finances. Financial harmony comes through financial obedience. Let me ask you, are you putting God's kingdom first? Can I tell you this? Your finances will work better. Your family will have more harmony. If you tithe to the Lord, give to the Lord, put his kingdom first. You say, oh, that's preacher talk. It is absolutely not. Listen to me. This preacher has done it for decades. And I have story after story of us giving when we didn't have it to give. Listen, I've written a check on Sunday praying to God the church didn't go to the bank till Tuesday. And, 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 and a check come in on Monday that covered my tithe. You say, does that happen all the time? No, it doesn't happen all the time because sometimes God's going to see if you're going to give no matter what. But it'll happen if you put his kingdom first. You say, preacher, I, I'm, I tithe, I'd give. But man, stuff keeps breaking. Stuff keeps falling apart. You know what that's called? A devourer in your midst. Put God's kingdom first. Number three, I got to just i got to crash this sermon. Number three, money can make you mad. I don't mean mad like angry. I mean money can make you mad like crazy. It's not the amount of money you have, but it's the love of money we have. 
This rich dude thought he was right because right with God because he had money. He literally thought he was right with God because he had money. So listen, you can fall so in love with having and making money, you think you're awesome and don't need God. When that happens, your family is headed for trouble because money doesn't make you great. Money doesn't make your family healthy. Money doesn't make you great. And money can make you mad. It can make you crazy and think you're better off than what you really are. Can I tell you this? Money can mask marriage and family issues for just a moment. Make you think you're better than you are. I love this. For all the men, all the NFL, I got any NFL fans in the room. You may like NFL. You'll love this. Love the story. This story of Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel has the best job on earth. He's the backup quarterback for the Chargers, and they signed him this year to a $2.25 million deal. Get this. Last year, he attempted zero passes. Zero. He didn't throw the football one time last year. He never got off the bench, like never threw the football last year at all. So here's a wild stat. Daniel, who's 35, get this, has earned $38.9 million in his career. $38.9 million in his career. And he's only thrown in his whole career 261 passes. That's not even a year's worth of football. It's not six games worth of football for some teams. But get this, I love it. That means he's been paid $149,053 per pass attempt. So can I put that in comparison? Everybody hold on to that number, $149,000 per pass attempt. Aaron Rodgers has been paid over his career $37,000 per pass attempt. Tom Brady, over his career, has been paid $27,000 per pass attempt. Patrick Mahomes, over his career, largest contract in the NFL history, has been paid $20,000 per pass attempt. So you know what this stat tells me? Chase Daniel is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. He's the greatest of all time. You say, preacher, that's not true. I'd never heard of him until he put his picture. Right. That's not true. All three of the other quarterbacks are so much better than Chase Daniel. But if you're just going off the amount of money, you think he was the greatest. Can I tell you, money can make you crazy and make you think your family is better off than it, it, it can do something weird like that. Money can mask emotional issues spiritual issues relationship struggles it can mask it for a minute but hear me not for long and some of you are here and you think if i earn another dollar i'm bury this problem if i earn another dollar i can bury this issue if i earn another dollar i no, no listen money make you crazy that's not what your family needs number four i'm finished i just gotta i just gotta stop i'm not finished number four here's what you need to know about money he who dies with the most toys still dies Jesus said that people who think they are first in this life may be in back of the line in heaven and vice versa. In other words, earthly wealth doesn't determinely determine heavenly position. Well, that's a great statement. Earthly wealth doesn't determine heavenly position. You and your family need to know that. If you want harmony in your family around the area of money, then quit accumulating toys here and lay up treasures there. Close your Bibles and stand with me. Let me just, let me just stop. Let me just stop. Close your Bibles and stand with me. Can I tell you something about our children? Here's, here's maybe the disservice we're doing to our children. 
3.1% of the world's children live in America, but they own 40% of the toys globally. 3.1% of the world's children live in America, but they own 40% of the toys consumed globally. We love our toys, but one day we're still going to die. We're going to stand before God and give an account for our lives, even our financial lives. If you want harmony back in your family, quit going all in on this world and honor God with your finances. Can I, can I just make four money statements? I'm going to sum it up. You may want to take a photo of this. Or it's not earth shattering. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a preacher. But can I just tell you what God would say about your money? Number one, bring your spending under your earnings. Can we, can we say that that's called common sense? If, if you're spending more than you're earning, can I just say something? It won't end well, and it will end. Number two, create margin in your finances. Have $5 in your pocket every now and then. So do number, be so good at the first thing that you got, five dollars in your pocket pocket number three stop trying to buy harmony and happiness you can't buy it and then number four give and tithe first honor god the bible's full 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 of admonition to give to god first tithe and god will rebuke the devourer in your midst it's truth god's word i don't get paid more by you tithing i don't i don't get but if you want harmony in your home you've got to put God first you have to and the Lord will honor that and when you put God first in your finances it just puts everything else in the right perspective in your home thank you Pastor Joel for that great message and as we think about the family we think about relationships within our home one of the biggest issues one of the biggest things that couples fight over is money and uh, that passage in Matthew that says, man, our, our treasure should be in heaven. And that's, that's, that's where we need to think. That's the way we need to think when it comes to our finances. And um, man, what a, it's a great point of contention in marriages, but it doesn't have to be. When you realize that everything that you have, all of your money, everything that you have belongs to God, and you are left here as a steward, and you operate in that perspective, it'll make such a difference in your family. Maybe you're watching this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. Um, it begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. You've offended God with your sin. Your sin separates you from God, and there's nothing you can do to fix that separation. You have to believe that Jesus died on the cross and the blood that He shed covers all of, all of your sins. And then thirdly, you confess Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you've never done that this, this morning and you want to do that and God spoke into your heart. Tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm asking you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. 
If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it, we want to say welcome to the family. We want to celebrate with you. And so we're going to ask you, if you would, click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. And we're going to connect with you. We're going to send you some information that will help you take next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Because here's the truth. You're not in this alone. We're here. We're your family. And we want to help you take next steps. Hey, it's been awesome to be in God's house this morning, worshiping together with you online. Thankful for our time together each week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.